So the two questions are, is it true and why should I care should be at the heart uh, of any uh, ministry for young people. And of course, it starts with the parents. Uh. Hello and welcome to Catholic Parents Online, a podcast channel where we share tips and resources on Catholic parenting. Presented with the lens of the theology of the body, we will see how we can be gifted to our children in ways that will help them find true happiness and flourish in accordance with God's wonderful plan for each and every one of them. My name is John Wee and I'm your host for this series. The church today faces a rather difficult problem and that of our, many of our young people leaving the faith and leaving church altogether. Why is this happening? What are the reasons that are causing our teens and our young people to leave the church in such numbers? To help us discuss this issue today, we have none other than Mr. Nick Chui. Mr. Nick Chui has a Master's in Theology from the uh, Pontifical John Paul II Institute for Marriage and Family in Melbourne. And uh, he is also, very importantly, a professional educator, an educator by profession. And uh, through his work, he has been interacting with lots of teens almost every day of his life. And uh, he knows the issues quite well, pretty well. Definitely much better than I do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you very much for inviting me, John. I'm very <laughs> grateful for the opportunity. Yes, the pleasure is all ours. Yeah. So, Nick, um, the title for today is really keeping our teens in church, right? Yes. So, in your interaction with teens, right, what do you think are the main issues that they face and um, why do you think this is so? I was wondering, actually pondering on your title, John, keeping your teens in church, and I can understand why you phrased it in that way. After all, if you're a devout Catholic parent, uh, you would want your teenager to remain Catholic. So therefore, you want them to be kept in church. So that, that's correct. Nevertheless, I was wondering whether this title has also its own weaknesses. Mm -hmm. When you say keeping your teenagers in church, inevitably, you might actually, uh, the, the burden now is on, so to say, the church as an institution. In the sense that, okay, uh, the teenager can be like, I remember there is uh, this this song called Smells Like Teen Spirit. And there was this line saying, Here we are now, entertain us. <laughs> and which means, of course, that uh, this is what the teenager expects. I am here, entertain me. And therefore, if not, you cannot keep my attention. And therefore, uh, I'm going elsewhere. Here we are now, entertain us, would not be applicable for church. But if we say, here we now are now, engage us. That's different. Mm -hmm. And what does the teenager want to be engaged in? Right. Uh, Pope Francis says actually in uh, Evangelii Gaudium yes. that the church exists to form missionary disciples. So if that's the case, then here we are now. Engage me so that I can be a missionary disciple. That phrase missionary disciple is actually pregnant with a lot of meaning. Disciple means, of course, the master is Jesus Christ. I want to be modeled apprentice to Jesus Christ because in Him, I discover the fullness of eternal life. Jesus Christ asked the young man, uh, the, rather, the young man asked Jesus Christ, good master, uh, what do I need to do to have eternal life? The, man is, the young man is not simply talking about existence but eternal life, the fullness of life. And Jesus Christ okay, ultimately points him to himself. Come, follow me. And that is what we mean to be a disciple. Come, follow Jesus, because in him, 
There is that fullness of life. Then the word missionary, I've discovered in Jesus Christ the fullness of life. I want them to share this witness to, about, to this to other people. And that is what the church is about. The teenager is here in church. Here I am now, not entertained, here I am now, engage me. Insofar as the church engages the teenager to be a missionary disciple, the teen would be kept in church. Insofar as the church forgets its mission, they take it as here I am now, uh, entertain me. Or here I am now, uh, just keep me in check morally. They'll miss the point. Mm. And just the teenagers, uh, just give me the laws, mm. or keep me entertained, or keep me this, this as free childcare service, or entertainment service, or free enrichment. After all, catechists are not paid, youth group is free, then we'll have a problem. Mm -hmm. The teen will not be kept in church because uh, he sees that. Mm, objective of what the church is about, missionary discipleship mm -hmm. is missing. Yeah. That's a very good point. Good point. Um, then how can we reach out to teens and uh, engage them fruitfully um, in the issues that they face today and really help them to then to become really effective missionary disciples in time to come, right? Yeah, sure. Um, I think one of the things uh, which I've learned actually by interacting with uh, children and teenagers is that uh, children go through different stages of faith development as well. Uh, this is from uh, Maria Montessori and Sofia Cavalletti. That's not mm -hmm. my idea. It's mm -hmm. from them. It's from the, the, the model. is from the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Right. And they did identify at least three stages of uh, faith development, from 3 to 6, 6 to 9, 9 to 12. Mm -hmm. In 3 to 6, uh, the kid will tend to be preoccupied by what is this. So uh, they tend to be, uh, they, they can... As long as uh, they know what something is, or this is Jesus, this is Him, Good Shepherd, and so on, they are already engaged. Mm -hmm. Six to nine, a bit different. They need to see how is it connected. Jesus, or His, his, ma his mother is Mary, mm -hmm. His father is Joseph, He also got a Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. How is it connected? And the, and the nine to twelve stage, and now it's becoming re more relevant for teenagers, nine to twelve stage is, is it true or not? Montessori says that the, the image for children of 9 to 12 which will connect to them is the kingdom of God. So if you use the term kingdom of God, it also means that there's a kingdom of not God or, mm. or kingdom of evil. Mm. So somebody is telling the truth. You know, mm. in, you know, and what, mm. who is? You know, we say God is. Right? Mm. The devil is the liar. But therein the drama begins. Mm. Is it true or not? Is everything you say true or not? Uh, is whatever you are saying, is it true? And so on. Then the last stage uh, would be, it's not from Montessori, but actually my own reflection. Uh, I think I read uh, Gerard O'Shea's book, uh, for example, he, I think he discusses that also. Uh, why should I care? Mm -hmm. Something might be true. Maybe over there in Mayflower Market, uh, or very nice to eat. But then, I don't like to eat or not. Uh. You tell me nice, I also don't care. Mm -hmm. So now the question is, not only is it true or not, or not nice or not nice, but why should I care? Is it relevant for me? Yeah, is it relevant for me? Is, do I need to bother about this? Or is it, it a meh, M-E-H, you know? Does so, it make my life better? Yeah, does it make my life better? Is it relatable, you know, and so on? It may be true, you know, but I can don't care also. Yes. And they have a point, you know? Yes, certainly. Yeah, so, the two questions are, is it true and why should I care should be at the heart uh, of any uh, ministry for young people. And of course, it starts with the parents, uh. <laughs> the parents also have to ask themselves yeah. the question. They make they themselves make the journey. I myself as an educator, I make my journey also. 
I ask myself daily, is uh, the faith of Jesus Christ true and why should I care? Yeah. Interconnected right. with my own life. And in parents see, parents will ask them, is it true? Yeah. Why should I care? Eventually, this will catch on with the kids, okay? My mother or my father certainly believes it to be true and they care a lot. Mm-hmm. Then I have to ask myself the same question. Mm-hmm. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Why should I care? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have second-hand faith. My parents believe, I trust them. Mm. That's actually legit, no? That's fair. Because it's fair. Because that, that, just because God didn't uh, manifest Himself in a special way to you, but He did so to His parents, mm-hmm. doesn't mean He's not real. That's right. Very often it starts that way. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, for many of us, it's our parents who showed us the faith. Exactly. And then over time, we realized yes. how important it yes. was and ah. we developed that relationship Correct. with Jesus. So right? just because you know, that happens, right? doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah. But nevertheless, uh, the second aspect, the first-hand faith, has also to be true. Mm. Because uh, Jesus Christ desires a personal and intimate relationship with each individual. Right. So that first-hand faith uh, will also be important. How that first-hand faith will look like will be different for different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody may have uh, that kind of uh, intense religious experience. But the faith would have to click at some personal level for that person. So in this case, for the teenager, maybe my parents' uh, roots of believing is through uh, acts of service. When they serve the poor and so on, they encounter Jesus there. But for me, maybe I have uh, studied a bit more, I'm a bit more intellectually inclined. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I'm very artistic. My encounter with God would be via maybe the artistic realm mm-hmm. or maybe the more intellectual dimension. And But nevertheless, all these encounters are personal and right. personalized. Right. Yeah. Yes, so Jesus knows each one of us yes. best. Yeah. And that's why he appears to Thomas and said, for you only, for you only, you can touch. The rest, he didn't say, no? <laughs> you can touch. No? Uh, Thomas is empiricist, you know, he needs to touch. You know? And Jesus allows that to happen. Is, the, is he the patron saint of scientists? You know? Thomas, uh, I don't know, but uh, why not? Why right? not, right? Repetition, the Pope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point. Now, I think uh, there's a very uh, good point about this primary encounter and a secondary encounter with our Lord, right? Uh, as a very important part of uh, the faith all right, encounter. How do parents uh, exercise their role in leading their children to that encounter with Jesus, since this is such an important part of their formation to become missionary disciples? I think one of the things you just mentioned, uh, the parents can lead the children to the encounter, but ultimately the children would have to personalize the faith. Uh, one of the things I always ask the teenagers is to ask themselves the question, is this your religion or your parents' religion? It's a very important question. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, if it is your religion, why is that the case? Well, that's something for the teenagers to, encounter, to do that. But uh, it can, you can certainly clear the way for the encounter. And something which I realize which at least for teenagers is important based on the two things. that is it true and why should I care, right? Is uh, if the parents can live a life which is utterly committed to truth and love, it mm. will make a, a, a very important, uh, a significant difference. Maybe give, give you some example, uh, maybe so to say negative examples, mm. Like, mm. how it will uh, unfortunately affect children. Um, one thing perhaps to, to ask ourselves, when you send your kid for catechism class, you tell them that it's important. But perhaps you consider this as free enrichment. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, uh, you pay for enrichment, quite expensive. Uh, mm. you know? 
but this time round the church offers one and a half hours free, you know, and beg you to send your children somewhere, you know. Free childcare. Ah, uh, free childcare, no? Yeah. yeah, correct. And if actually on the one hand you tell the child it's important, but on the other hand, you give out the vibes, uh, is free enrichment. Mm. The kid will pick it up, uh, mm. especially when he becomes a teenager. Mm. Then he knows, okay, there is hypocrisy there. Mm. That's one. Second. We talk about the sacrament of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Do you go for the sacrament of reconciliation or you want your kid to go as a mm. form of social control? Mm. Yeah, correct. Or you go inside and tell the priest, I'm here to tell my kid that I'm here, but I actually I nothing to confess. You talk to my kid later, he coming in. Oh, I beg to differ. I think as a parent, I can tell you I have a long list of sins to, to, to confess. Yeah, that's good on <laughs> you, man. Uh, you're good at, but if you really, you know, if it's different no, from me saying you know, to the child, no? The ultimate authority is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Insofar as daddy and mommy fail, we are going for confession. Yeah. You yourself, your conscience is yours. Uh, you will go for confession insofar as it's uh, necessary. Yeah. This reminds me of an incident uh, some years back when our family decided that hey, uh, today let's go for confession to the, mm. together before Mass. You know? So we yes. lined up uh, outside the confessional and then there were some people looking at us and then uh, my uh, youngest daughter looked a bit awkward and she said, we look like a family of sinners, you know. <laughs> I said, we are. We are. Brilliant. I think, thank you, John. In fact, that is actually, I think, a very powerful moment. We look like a family. We are a family of sinners. And that's why we have God as our authority. You know? mm. And I think that's actually, honestly, thank you, John. It's a very beautiful witness. Something in my own, uh, in my own uh, professional education, something which I tell my kids uh, is that, we can send you for detention, uh, uh, that kind of thing. So to say, or you go to the naughty corner, isn't it? But I will never force you to say sorry mm. if you are not sorry. Mm -hmm. Because you only should say sorry to me or to other people because you believe that you have done something wrong. It doesn't mean we cannot discipline you. Like, no? mm. Stay here, sit down, detention or whatever, write lines. Whatever. That one can't be helped. We can compel people what we can compel people to do what is bodily mm -hmm. so to say no? yes. confine you for two hours yes. but we cannot compel your conscience true conscience is that sanctuary the catechism say in which god's voice resounds you know mm -hmm. and if you say sorry when you don't mean it you are lying mm -hmm. you are lying to yourself mm -hmm. and to other mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. and i think uh, that's something which parents need to be careful about not to compel children to say sorry when they are not sorry. Mm -hmm. You can still discipline them. That's not a problem. And especially when they have become a teenager, this becomes quite important. Oh, very sensitive. Yes, correct. Very sensitive. Very sensitive. And when you are aware of this, uh, it becomes, uh, what do you call that? And you link it to the faith. Mm. Why am I so obsessed, so mm. to say, with the truth? And obsessed, so to say, with you not apologizing if you do not feel sorry, mm -hmm. but if you do straight away, you know, forgiveness and so on. Mm. Because I care for the truth. Mm. When Pontius Pilate says, quit as veritas, what is truth? Mm -hmm. I said, he was staring at truth himself, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know? I've come to bear witness to the truth. He who listens to the truth, listens to me. Right. And this is applicable for all situations, mm -hmm. including yeah. when you discipline. No? Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. why I would recommend in that sense. Certainly. These are everyday witnesses 
this utter devotion to truth and utter devotion to love mm. becomes a very powerful platform witness for mm. uh, for parents mm-hmm. of teenagers mm. to help them. Yeah, it seems to me that uh, what you're also saying is then appeal to beauty as well, yes. which is what they see and they hear and they smell. All right, they can smell hypocrisy if they, yes. if they, if they, if they sense it, yes. right? And uh, they can certainly see the beauty of a life lived in faith. Yes. And from there, from the seeing the beauty of the fruits of that life lived in faith, the children will be more convinced that this is good. Yes. And ultimately, this is true. Yes. You know, I think in the past, we used, you know, in our days, uh, when we were young, you know, exactly. we used to uh, be just told, like, this is truth, it is good for you, so now live it up. Right, uh, and then you find out the beauty. But I don't think children nowadays or teens nowadays will accept that very well. Sure. Uh, quite often, I think it is more the reverse. Mm-hmm. They need to see the beauty in our lives. Sure. They need to see the beauty of the fruits of such a faith, of sure. such a, a, a life lived in that faith, and then they will see the goodness, and then from there they grasp yes. the truth. There, there is actually something to be said about beauty because truth you can resist. 1 plus 1 equals to 2. It's no, 3. Uh, it's 3. Uh. <laughs> there are 3 apples here. Uh. You cannot see from this. Uh, it's not an apple. How can, so you can argue. Yeah. Uh. Truth, you can argue. Uh, goodness is like, oh, okay, but then maybe this is not so good. Uh, maybe this person, person A lives this way is good, but person B not so much. You know, What's the difference between you know, uh, these two people? You know? uh, so you can argue. But beauty mm. is something which, in a way, on the one hand, people say, some people say, right, mm-hmm. beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? People say that, mm-hmm. right? So, okay, so it's very subjective. So, people are like, why should we talk about beauty in faith? But, on the other hand, when you encounter beauty, you cannot deny. Yeah. You have experienced something which stirred your heart. Teenagers, if they see uh, opposite sex, a beautiful woman. Mm. Huh? Or, the other day, I was in, in my school and uh, uh, we, had, we had special uh, girls coming to our school. Mm-hmm. And then the girls... Um, they walked past uh, a board, uh, uh, where, where our notice board, where we displayed the stu- student leadership board. Uh, our best student leaders wearing very nice uh, you know, uniforms, uh, uniforms yeah. and, uh, and blazers. And the girls, oh, 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 immediately took the phone and snapped the picture. <laughs> uh, you can say that they were trivial or what. Uh, or, or you can use, quote Ratzinger, they were wounded by the arrow of beauty. Uh, okay. <laughs> but my point is this. Uh, when you encounter beauty... Uh, you know, yeah. something which stirs you for whatever reason. There, there's still ambiguity there, of course. That's right. But it is undeniable. Yes. You cannot deny that you have been stirred. Yes. Are you, yes. Have, are you stirred correctly in a way which will honor God? Uh, or were you, are you stirred in a way which may potentially lead to sin? Uh, that's where the ambiguity of beauty lies. Uh. But you cannot deny that you were stirred. Definitely. And therefore, you know, when, yeah. the, when, the, when, uh, when, uh, when your daughter perhaps says, that I was very touched uh, by the time when you said we were all a family of sinners. Uh. Uh, she hasn't said that yet. Uh, she hasn't said that. Uh, okay, but, uh, <laughs> you're honest. You know, your co- relentless commitment to truth. Like, uh, but, but you understand what I'm trying uh, to say. Right? And, and as, so a, as, touched, as a follow-up, I don't uh, think we have gone as a family for confession together. Again, uh, uh, yeah, we've gone separately. Separately, that's alright. Uh, but, uh, that's yeah, right. uh, but yeah, you I get the point. Uh, so when you lead with beauty, it's undeniable yeah. that experience. I was moved. Certainly. And then from there, I need to ask, why was I moved? Mm. And yeah. that can potentially point yeah. to the author of beauty himself, God. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think that's the reason why all of us uh, behold beautiful sunrises and beautiful sunsets and stars in the sky and the flowers that we yeah. smell and see. I think these things just move us, isn't it? Yeah, beautiful right? people. Beautiful, and beautiful people, yeah. certainly. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah, beautiful people, yeah. yeah, certainly. So uh, my wife would... Yes, yes. agree. Yeah, I agree, right? She, I, yes, I yes. believe she enjoys K-dramas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, she okay. does. She okay. does. Okay. That's just another that's story a for, another, for another, for another day, episode. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like uh, parents do have a large role to play. Very right? much. And uh, yes. it reminds me of the um, uh, a very important role as a uh, so-called priest prophet and king, eh? our baptismal role eh? yes. as parents, you know, the priest to really uh, uh, lead them in the right worship of God yes. eh? with, with all our mind and heart and soul through our lives and through our bodies, right? And uh, a prophet to really proclaim uh, the love of God to them and who God is to them and uh, as king to really lead them in building the kingdom of Christ, eh? which is the kingdom of love on earth, right? You know? So it looks like it's quite a... Um, not an easy task huh, for parents, and I can vouch for that as a parent. I've failed many times, huh? okay, and um, it's really just the grace of God that has uh, kept my children alive. I think, yeah. So um, I would say, how, what else can parents do in the exercise of this triple role as priest, prophet, okay. king to really bring the children to see the beauty of God sure. and to there behold the truth and goodness. Sure. Uh, I guess the three roles of uh, triple priest, prophet, and king role flows from our baptism, mm. so as uh, as baptized Christians, uh, the priest of course uh, offers uh, sacrifice as well as uh, praise for people. That's something which we need to do. We pray for uh, those who are under our care. We ourselves have a prayer life. In other words, we do not just say prayers; we pray. Mm. We spend time every day uh, meditating on the Word of God or taking seriously a particular devotion, growing in knowledge of God and growing in intimacy. How many minutes is up to you? I remember one person did share with me, you should do for every minute you uh, live on earth. So right now, if you are like me, 42 years old, so you should pray for <laughs> That's 42 young. minutes a day. La, you know, <laughs> uh, so how, how you want to divide it is up to you. But the whole point is that uh, you, you, have your, your, you have your prayer life and in your prayer life, you lift up your children to Jesus Christ because ultimately He is their creator. You are the steward. No? Mm. Creator. So that's, that's one priest. Mm. A prophet would be this relentless commitment, I would say, to truth and love. Uh, you want to live it, but you also want to say it. And you are not afraid to say it regardless of whether you are popular or not sometimes. And that leads ultimately to the kingly role. The king has authority. Parents do have authority over their children. And parents should not be afraid to exercise that authority. I was joking the other day. Uh, there was uh, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, spoiling your children uh, will not be a good idea. Lah, because spoiling your children would be an abdication of uh, authority. Sometimes you can, like I was saying, you can joke about it. Oh yeah, I will spoil my princess because I've been longing for her to, you know, to come and etc. You know, perhaps you're longing for a child and so on. But uh, that should remain a joke. Yeah, but when we come to serious business, we do not spoil our children because uh, if we were to give the children, our children everything they want, it would be an abdication of Authority. Can't yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, 
I have heard you speak before about the difference between being authoritarian yes. and being authoritative yes. uh, in terms of uh, parenting, yeah. right? Correct. Uh, in in uh, outreach and in the management Correct. of our yeah. teens and our sure. young at home. Um, would you like to perhaps elaborate on that? Sure, thanks. Uh, when you are authoritarian, uh, very often you exercise authority for yourself because it is convenient to you and you want your child to comply and therefore you say certain things, authoritarian. If you are authoritative, you recognize, I think ultimately, who is the author of authority. Uh, it is ultimately God. And you recognize that there are certain things which are good for your children and certain things which are not. So as a parent, it is your duty, therefore, to, um, to not only instruct your children on what is good or not, and to say, if you want to do this, I cannot possibly endorse slash approve because that would ask, you are asking me to violate my conscience. Mm -hmm. So an authoritative parent always recognizes that both child and parent are ultimately accountable to God. Mm -hmm. So I just perhaps... This is my example might be controversial, but maybe you, maybe you see what yeah. you think about it. I'm going to share with yeah. you something. Basically, else. it's yeah, journeying together. I think yes. you know in a way that is appropriate for the um, age group of the child. Yes. I think from the time that they are very young, yes. uh, we certainly need to say nope, don't yeah. do this. Direct. Nope, don't do Direct. that. Yes. Uh, okay, do this. Correct. Don't do that. Correct. Um, and as they grow older, they need to understand. Yes. More, you know, and we need to explain to them. Yeah. Um, and of course, by the time they become teenagers, it's very important that we we really be prepared to explain why we are saying certain things or yes. why we are doing certain things or why we are not doing certain yeah. things, right? We need to explain to Correct. And not just that, I think they need to see it in our lives. Yes. I remember there was this video, maybe this example I can discuss with you. There was this uh, video which went viral. There was uh, uh, this teenage girl who wanted to wear very short, uh, very short uh, shorts. Uh, no? mm -hmm. And uh, her father, her father in the, in, in the video was a big guy, 300 pound guy, you know, American guy. Uh, and he said, okay, you want to wear shorts, is it? Uh, daddy will wear it with you. And then he also wear his, he call it butt cut shorts. Right? And then he looks so awkward. Right? Like, you know, it's a 300 pound man wearing um, shorts which like, you know, just a bit only. Then, she, then the daughter said, oh my gosh, why you not wear like that? Then his point is that, uh, okay, you consider me awkward, right? How about you when you wear it? Right? And I thought that was an interesting example of being authoritative. Mm -hmm. Because uh, he wanted to get his message across. He did it in a humorous way, of course. Mm -hmm. But his message was very mm -hmm. like, no? I need to help you to understand that in this case, uh, there's such a thing called modesty mm -hmm. and there's such a thing called immodest attire. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and appropriateness. Yeah, appropriateness, right? yeah. yes. And I need you to know. So, of course, which, uh, he, he sends a message mm -hmm. but without uh, shaming his yeah. daughter. Uh, at all, uh, no? in mm. fact, humorous, in fact, yeah. you know, so uh, yeah, yeah, the daughter got that. Yeah, I think yeah. that's important that uh, we do not shame uh, yeah, our, right. our children. And also, uh, what you mentioned is also very important that we need to uh, really provide the environment whereby our children know that we love them. Yes. And it's a very loving and warm, stable yes. environment. And I, I, I just can't help but remember actually St. Paul's letter to Philemon. Uh, when, uh, that letter is a short letter, most people may miss it, but actually quite significant. Uh, Philemon was a slave owner. And uh, Onesimus was his slave. But Onesimus is now with Paul, baptized a Christian. Philemon is a Christian also. And Paul says, I'll now send Onesimus, his runaway slave, back to uh, Philemon. And there, uh, but now, he's no longer your slave, but your brother. 
Paul never opposed the Roman system of slavery directly. Mm -hmm. But when he preached the gospel, he made that system redundant. Or at mm -hmm. least he in the process of making the system redundant. Because legally, the Romans may say it is possible to own slaves. Mm -hmm. But Christian slave owners, so to mm -hmm. say, treat their slaves as brothers in Christ. Mm -hmm. the, it's the same, you know, actually on Friday, which last Friday, we had the Feast of St. Perpetua and Felicity. Yeah. Yeah. The same dynamic is happening. Mm -hmm. uh, Perpetua is the Roman, Felicity is by right her slave, but Perpetua says, this is my sister. The way we treat other people in our vicinity and the way you convey plays an important part to help your children see that as a Christian, you are counter-cultural. Two examples. Uh, the first thing would be, how do you treat other people of different social class than mm -hmm. yourself? Mm -hmm. uh, do you use uh, derogatory language when talking about people of perhaps a humbler social class than yourself? Uh, maybe you have a domestic helper. How do you address her? Do you address her as uh, something disrespectful? Or do you address her, you know, as someone with dignity. Oh, yep. That's yeah. right. Whether we really accord them the dignity that they yes, deserve as correct, you know? fellow Even human persons. Even as you recognise that you are the owner. No, employer. Employer. Sorry. Pardon. Employer. Employer. Yeah. Right, no? As the employer, which you know, of course justice is due to you as well. No, but that's very important. Mm. And it, uh, it will affect also how you discuss, uh, in this case, uh, people of uh, you know, different social class and people of different academic abilities. Mm. That's also very important. Yes. I remember, unfortunately, in, in my education circles, we sometimes hear uh, positive stories. We hear horror stories also. Uh, one horror story which I heard was a parent uh, scolds the child. Uh, why? The child came, tells the parent, um, I was given an extra mark and I told the teacher that I was given an extra mark. He was scolded by for being parent, honest. For being honest. Whoa! Because it's the all that matters is the marks. results. Oh the my. mark. Okay. You can say it is only one mark. But now, what are you conveying to the child? You are mm -hmm. attempting to convey a child a mm -hmm. life contra lesson, mm -hmm. anti lesson. That yeah. all that matters is winning. Right. All that matters is in your academic performance, right. etc. Right. And if you if you were to convey such things to your child, uh, then you, you, there's definitely a counter witness to the gospel. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you praise your child for being honest with that mark and tell them your reward is in heaven, God sees everything, your child, and then you tell them you know, about uh, grades is one aspect of life, but not everything. A grade cannot measure your entire worth as a human being. It can measure maybe your current ability in a particular subject. The it effort does you measure, put in. And potentially the effort you put in, yeah. but it may not also. May not, may uh, may not, may not yeah. because you may have other mitigating circumstances, right. you know, but that's potentially right. the effort you put in. Uh, but then that's where you become counter-cultural and Christianity mm -hmm. by definition will be counter-cultural. And these two things, besides sexuality, which we discussed mm -hmm. earlier, how you treat other people, different social class, how you treat other people, different academics, uh, mm -hmm. is important. In fact, uh, it dovetails with our Singapore context because I remember there are two Channel News Asia documentaries, regardless of class and regardless of race, race, race right? and, and then they discuss education also, yeah. right? So, so these are things, you know, yeah. which is uh, in a way our Singapore society is discussing and when you 
do show the Christian perspective and how sometimes it dovetails with an official narrative, but sometimes in tension with it, you make a decisive contribution mm. as a Christian mm. parent. Yeah. So it appears that uh, what you had, uh, have just said really affirms the uh, role of the uh, Catholic parent to be a role model yes. all right, for, for children and to... Uh, and for the necessity to affirm them in the virtues that they may display so that they can continue to be strengthened in the virtues like honesty, yes. um, respect for others, and generosity, and so on. And um, also then, also through uh, formation and continuing to form them uh, by word and example, which also means that we have to form ourselves. Yes. Right, which is also a, kind of like a lifelong challenge. I think it's not easy. Yes. Yeah. You can start off with watching Catholic Parents online <laughs> videos. <laughs> Free advertisement. For Free you, advertisement. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yes. Yeah. So it looks like that will be a very important uh, um, part of the journey, all right, as uh, Catholic parents. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, any last words of advice for parents you know, before we end this podcast uh, in, in how we can actually really okay, not just keep our children in the church, but really to uh, form them to be really effective missionary disciples for Christ? I wouldn't dare to use the term advice, but uh, I always found the fifth joyful mystery uh, consoling, mm. um, especially for when you work with teenagers. Yeah. You can have the most perfect parents in the world, mm. Mary and Joseph, mm -hmm. but yet your son can apparently disobey you as well. <laughs> you know, that's a yeah. comfort, you know, yeah. to know, uh, because you know the yeah. story, right? The fifth yeah. joyful mystery, yeah. the yeah. finding of the child Jesus, Jesus in the temple, temple yeah. right? Why did he suddenly disappear? That's no, right. He didn't That's know right. the parents don't want him to disappear. Why yeah, he do that? Right. So we are not the only ones yeah. who mess up, yeah, as parents. And uh, so to say, when we know uh, doctrinally Jesus never sinned, so if he was missing, it was not because of a sinful act. Mm. Mary never sinned. No, okay, we say Joseph is probably, a, but Joseph was a good man, right? Now, so he would try his best, you know, more, more or less ultimately. But yet, now, even in a, you say. Perfect family in terms of striving for moral perfectly, morally perfect family, let's put it that way, or at least close to it. The son, Jesus Christ, seems to be able, seem to have disobeyed his parents to answer bigger vocation. And there was obviously tension. There was no sin, but there was tension in, in that particular scenario. Perhaps the tension is there for us to realize that uh, ultimately when our kids become teenagers, you can be striving to be morally, character-wise, perfect parents. Your teenagers may still give you heartache. And not, sometimes not necessarily because they are straying. You know. mm. They're just who they are. Yeah. It's just, just like a yes, human right. phenomenon. And we fail to understand them as well. Yeah, and sometimes we fail to understand them you know, because mm. why are they like that? But they're mm. not becoming morally dubious. Mm. They're just different. You know? mm. And uh, maybe that can be a comfort uh, mm -hmm. when we meditate on the fifth joyful mystery. Yeah. We uh, need not always immediately blame ourselves. Mm -hmm. We need not always immediately blame our, our, mm -hmm. our children. Mm -hmm. But maybe we ask, maybe it's just at that stage of life. Yeah. We have a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. certainly. I think uh, when you talk about this, um, the Holy Family, right? A uh, uh, standing joke between my wife and I is that we, uh, we model ourselves on the Holy Family. You know? okay. Because in the Holy Family, the mother never sinned, the son never sinned. It's always the father's fault. Ayo, when anything goes wrong. Uh, well... <laughs> Yeah, topic about toxic masculinity and toxic femininity. I rather call it tonic masculinity. Tonic masculinity. And the feminine genius. You must invite me for your next podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Tonic masculinity. How men should be loving our wives. 
and yeah. how women should demonstrate their feminine genius. Genius, well, right? yeah, that's correct. right. I mean, there's so much to speak about feminine genius. Yeah, loving so, their husbands. That's part right, of that's right. Yes, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll get a lady to share with us okay. the feminine genius as well. Well done. <laughs> do that next podcast. The next podcast, yes. Well, thank you very much, uh, Nick. It has been You're a most welcome. very, very, uh, very enjoyable uh, podcast. To you. Yes, and, and uh, wonderful talking to you. All the best. Yes, thank and you. Uh, thank you very much. And yeah, wish you all the best and uh, have great times with your teens as you continue to form them in the education system. Amen. Yeah. All right, thank you. So, dear parents, uh, we are very grateful to have with us Nick Tree today who shared with us on how we can not just keep our teens in church, but really to form them to become the priest prophet and king that our baptismal call calls for all of us to follow. So till we meet again, take care and God bless you and the family always. Goodbye. <laughs>